1: life if you give your
0: heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through
1: you'll be set for life. But Paul and Peter at one time too had been sent to the uncircumcised Gentiles yet the gospel message they were proclaiming agreed, as the very same thing. They were saying the same thing for Jews and Gentiles alike. Guys, this is fascinating. It was that big aha moment that the gospel is not for Jews only. And Paul's ministry proved the Lord wants to save everybody. See, that's grace, friends. It's not so concerned about who did what wrong. It wants to restore everybody. But the law can't save you. Grace restores. So Paul said that when James, Peter, and John perceived the grace that had been given to Paul means they recognize that grace that Paul's got is the same one we're teaching. So Paul says, they gave me the right hand of fellowship. In other words, they gave Paul an endorsement. Kind of like, we don't know where you came from, but you are one of us because we're teaching the same thing as you. That's good. Now, the one request that the apostles had asked Paul to do was to get out and help the poor, and Paul said, hey, I've already had that on my heart anyway, so yeah, we're still all in agreement anyway. Galatians 2.11. Now, when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face, because he was to be blamed. For before, certain men came from James. He would eat with the Gentiles, but when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. Poor Peter here. I love Peter because he's like me. He makes mistakes a lot, okay? But God had given Peter a vision in Acts chapter 10 that showed Peter he should fellowship with Gentiles, and that included at mealtimes. Now, Jews held strict dietary laws that Gentiles would never keep. And so Peter realized that the same thing that Paul had been saying, that God shows no favoritism, he realized that, hey, we're, we're saying the same stuff here. And so Peter learned that God does not love Jews more. He loves the Gentiles just as much. And so Peter realized that he had the freedom to eat with Gentiles, to show them God's desire for all people to have unity together. But Paul said in verse 12 he said certain men came from James but for some reason these guys that came from from Jerusalem from James they still held on to dietary strictness you can't eat with the gentiles you can't can't do that they were shocked when they saw Peter eating with gentiles it freaked them out what are you Peter what are you doing and so this scared Peter and so he apparently stopped eaten with Gentiles. It says he separated himself and he took off. Now, this suddenly broke the fellowship apart. But even worse, it caused a major division between Jews and Gentiles. It confused all the teachings that Peter and the other Jews with him, like Barnabas, they've been telling the Gentiles, we're all saved by the same grace. We're all saved in Jesus Christ. Oh, wait a minute. Who's that? I got to run. Bye. And left the Gentiles just sitting there like, what was that all about? You know, if I was a Gentile at that dinner, I'd be thinking, after all that you just told us, you're just going to leave us? I would have been thinking, you know what? I don't believe a word of what you've been teaching me. I I guess we dirty Gentiles just ain't good enough for you. And so Paul said that the rest of the Jews played the hypocrite with Peter because they all jumped up and ran off. When Peter ran off, because they had been teaching the Gentiles were saved by the same grace, and then they darted off at the first sign of legalism that walked in the room, and he says, that's hypocritical of you. You're teaching them that it's not by works, and then you ran off back to works. Peter was reaching Gentiles, people that thought they couldn't have been saved. But then quickly he caused a division. Not because Peter suddenly had a change in his theology. Peter ran off because of fear. And so Paul had to withstand Peter directly, not to harm Peter, not to embarrass him in front of everybody, but to preserve the integrity of the gospel message that they had all been teaching the Gentiles. He had to correct in public what was damaged in public. Galatians 2.14. But when I saw that they were not straightforward about the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If you, being a Jew, live in the manner of Gentiles and not as the Jews, why do you compel Gentiles to live as Jews? We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law but by faith in Jesus Christ— Even we have believed in Christ Jesus, that we might be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, no flesh shall be justified. So, okay, Peter and the other guys that took off with him, they all defected from the gospel. By doing that, they denied that Jesus' death and resurrection was enough that what saves us. So, Paul basically said to Peter, When you eat with Gentiles, you're living like a Gentile. So when you abandoned the Gentiles to run back to your dietary law restrictions, then that sent a message to the Gentiles that they had to start living like a Jew. You just showed the Gentiles, no, you got to act like Jews to be saved. And he said, Peter, that's not right. Paul had to correct Peter that we are justified By faith in Christ Jesus, not by works of the law. And so Paul had to let Peter know that his actions had been inconsistent with his beliefs and inconsistent with the teachings that he had been preaching. So when Paul said, we are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles, he was saying that the Jews are the chosen people of God, unlike the Gentiles who were in total darkness. Okay, we Gentiles... We're the foreigner. We Gentiles are the guys that are way out there. I mean, we're lost as lost can get. Paul was it was telling Peter, "Look, man, you have an advantage. Being a Jew, you've got a great advantage that the Gentiles don't have. You have the clearest understanding of how the gospel really works because Jesus is is a Jew. The Messiah is Jewish." So he was saying, Peter, you've got such a clear view on all this. You should not have abandoned your fellowship with the Gentiles when you have the knowledge that they don't have. You've got to be a Jew telling Gentiles that salvation is not just for Jews. It's for them too. (laughs) It's like, man, Peter, you had a great opportunity and you kind of blew it. Galatians 2.17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ we ourselves also are found sinners. Is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law died to the law, that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. Now, I know that was a big chunk to swallow, but I'll try to break it down. You know, there's a lot of people today that believe that if, well, by faith you're saved and you're good and it's all okay, you don't have to do any works. You don't have to do anything good. You don't have to obey. You know, you're not, you're just saved. You're saved. Do whatever you want to. There's a lot of people that abuse this point and they think it encourages sinful living. They, Some people call it a sin license. Well, I'm saved by Jesus. I'm saved. I'm good. I can do anything I want to now. Who cares about doing anything Right. And that's wrong, too. Paul was addressing this being justified by faith is not your ticket to go crazy. Okay. Paul really just defied this belief because if it were true, if you could just get saved, oh, I'm saved by Jesus, now I can sin all I want to, then he said that would make Jesus into a minister of sin. That's why Paul asked, is Christ a minister of sin? Certainly not. For all you people that don't like the, the sound of sealed salvation, which I personally believe in because it's in the Bible. Once you're saved, you're saved. And the reason people don't like it, because, I mean, you can sin all you want to. No, Paul's saying, no, it's not. You are justified by faith alone and not by any works that you do. That's true. But don't make Jesus into a minister of sin. He is not a promoter of sin. He says, if you're saved by Jesus... Then running back into sin, running back into works as though work saves you, or running back into your old life, he said, that makes you play the hypocrite. He said of Peter, Peter, you ran back into the law. You, I, sorry, Gentiles, I can't eat with you anymore. He said, Peter, you became a hypocrite, and you made a lot of Jews play the hypocrite with you. And so Paul is actually speaking against a sin license, but he is saying, you are saved. You are justified. You're pronounced righteous by faith, not by anything you do. You can't come up with your little checklist and go, hey, God, look, here's my long checklist. Here's all the good things I did. Look at all those great check boxes." That's not what saves you at all. You're saved alone only by faith in Jesus Christ, by what he did on the cross, his finished work. But do not take that as a sin license, to go say, well, Jesus took care of it. I can do what I want to. That is wrong. And I'm grilling that subject because a lot of people get very angry at the sin license perception, which is a twisted perception. It is not biblical at all. And so Paul differentiated himself from Peter by describing what Peter had done with the law from what Paul had done with the law. Peter abandoned the Gentiles out of fear to run back to doing the law again. But Paul explained what a new believer's transformation actually looks like by putting it in terms of death and resurrection. Paul put it like this. Paul said, I died to the law to live to God. This means that true believers have a new way of living because they're dead. When you're dead, you don't do the things you used to do. One thing I've noticed about dead people is they don't do the things they used to do. Okay. Dead people don't go to the movies. Dead people don't drive cars. Dead people don't go to school. Dead people don't uh, they don't go to the grocery store and, and hang out. The dead people don't do the things they used to do. Dead people do nothing that they used to do because their life is gone. They're dead. So Paul was illustrating that if you're crucified with Christ, you are dead. You're dead to that old life. You can't run back to legalism anymore. Friends, you can't run back to the bar anymore and alcohol. You can't run back to drugs anymore. You can't run back to fornication, sex outside of marriage, all these crazy things that people say is okay. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can't run back to your old alternative lifestyles anymore. You can't do that anymore because if you're crucified in Christ, you're dead. You're dead. There's no running back and forth between Jesus one minute and then back to your old life the next minute. Well, you know, I still like some parts of my old life, yeah, yeah, I'll go hang out with the guys and we'll do all those things we used to do. You can't do that anymore, and the reason why is because the law demands death for whoever breaks it. We have all sinned, we all broke God's law, and so the law says if you sin, you die. That's how strict it is. So understand that the law. The requirements of God's law. That's why Jesus went to the cross. The law is why Jesus died on the cross and he paid our death penalty. Because as sinners, we're supposed to die somewhere. But what grace does, it comes in and says that whoever is crucified with Christ, they die to the law so that they can have freedom to sin? No. No. If you had freedom to sin, that would make Jesus a minister of sin. We die to the law so that we can live for God. Friends, this blows the sin license out of the water. Don't accuse me of sin license simply because I say once you're saved, you're saved, okay? Here's Paul's point if you are truly crucified with Christ, you die. You die. Friends, you're dead. You can't do the things you used to do anymore. You're dead. You die to the law so that you will be living for the Lord God because Jesus lives in us. Friends, there's no running back and forth once you're in Jesus, once you're for real in Jesus. If you're running back and forth, back and forth, I really question that you got saved for real in the first place. You really need to come to a point where you make a definite decision. It's time for me to give my life to the Lord God and be true about it be genuine, have some integrity, have some oneness, pick a side, get on that side, and you're going to stay there, okay? But Paul knew how to write about this subject since he was formerly a Christian killer who had now turned into a preacher. There's no way that Paul could ever go back to murdering believers again. So you could say that Paul had a very extreme view of his life change a lot more than Peter did. Paul is saying, look, I used to kill Christians, now I can't do that anymore. I can't go back to that. Peter, you ran back to what you used to do. Paul said, I'm not going to run back to killing Christians again. I'm dead to that. Peter, you got to get on this side of the gospel and stay there. And Paul said in verse 21, he said, I do not set aside the grace of God. Friends, once you get saved in Jesus for real, You pick up that grace. You're covered by his grace, by the blood of Christ, and you never set that grace aside, ever. You walk in it. You stay in it. You abide in it. Now, when Peter left the Gentiles to run back to legalism, he set God's grace aside. And in doing so, it caused a lot of trouble and a lot of confusion for those who had been listening to his grace gospel message. Friends, our job as believers is, is to make disciples of Jesus by building them up from the gospel of grace. The starting point is that Jesus saved them, not us. We don't save anyone. You cannot earn your way into salvation by playing that legalistic game of trying to perform good enough because the law legalism, checking off your little good boy boxes and your little good girl boxes, they will not get you into heaven. Hebrews seven nineteen says, for the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope through which we draw near to God. Also, if you look at Ephesians 2, verse 8, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Friends, a gift is not something you earn. You cannot earn a gift. If you earn a gift, you bought it. A gift is given because it's just you get it for free. You don't earn a gift. And the reason the Lord made salvation a gift is because if we earned it, we'd brag about it. That's why he says, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Man, (laughs) I am so good. I am so righteous. I work my way into heaven because I am just so awesome. Ain't I just great? You hear the boasting? God doesn't want anybody to boast. No one gets favoritism. It's all we all come in the same way. Salvation is by faith alone. Friend, stand firm in your witness among other people. Don't be like Peter and drop it and run off every now and then, or they're going to start to doubt what you're telling them. Don't let the pressures of the world cause you to run from the fellowship as Peter did. I know some people that all of a sudden one day they just quit the church. I mean, they just quit the church entirely. For whatever reason it was, they left. And when they left, they didn't realize the slavery that it threw them into because there's safety in the body of Christ. And that's like what Peter did to the Gentiles. It throws confusion onto new believers that were just starting to learn from you. You've got people that look up to you. You may have been saved only a month. Maybe the, the next guy was only saved for a day. And he respects your opinion because he's listening to you. And then you quit and you run back to your old life and you set the grace of God aside. And look what the the damage it does to that person that looked up to you. Let's not make slaves out of those who had been freed from sin. But I also want to say that there is a silent lesson here in this chapter, that's very easy to overlook. And that is the humility of Peter. He messed up. Yes, he sure did. I have too, okay? We're all like that. But yet, we know he continued his ministry. Peter kept on going, even after he had to stand up through Paul's rebuke. Paul says later in Galatians 6, verse 1, says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. In other words, if you've got to correct a brother, you do it gently. You do it easy. Don't go in there. Hey, you messed up, you idiot. Don't do that. Be be nice. <laughs> be very easy because soon one day you may be the one that messes up and somebody has to come and, and correct you. So you want to be gentle when you correct somebody that was overtaken by a trespass. Now, When I look at Peter, he had to stand up to this rebuke, and Paul said he had to do it in front of everybody because what Peter did caused a lot of damage, no doubt. But Peter took it well. He didn't get offended. He didn't get all red-faced and all mad, and how dare you do this to me, and I quit, and I leave your little clubhouse, and I'm going away, and you're never going to find me again. He didn't quit, okay? Today, everybody's so wound up so tight. They're quitters. They quit so easy. They can't listen to a rebuke even if it's a easy nice gentle rebuke because rebukes are healthy friends don't drive in the oncoming traffic you'll get hit by a car oh really how dare you tell me that i'll drive where i want to drive and wait a minute we're telling you where to stay in your lane because it's for your safety so friends i just love peter you know i can't wait to meet peter in heaven we're going to sit down and have a lot of talks because you know peter is me peter i i am peter a guy that does his best, but messes up a lot too. I'm Peter. I I can see myself in Peter. Peter's like me. However, Peter's a good role model for us because Peter never quit. He stood through Paul's correction without being offended. He didn't quit. He took it well, and Peter really deserves credit for that. Proverbs 19.20, listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. Friends, it's good to listen to instruction and even to rebukes because they're just trying to help you. They're not trying to hurt you or embarrass you. Ultimately, they're telling you a rebuke because they want to make sure that people are learning the true gospel from all of us. That's the ultimate goal. It's not all about you and, oh, he's rebuking me. Oh, I don't like that. uh, It's bigger than you. You need to look past your hand. It's about people learning the gospel from us. That all of our lives demonstrate together in agreement that by faith we are justified, which is pronounced righteous by God. You know, there will be times when fear is going to make you want to run away. So I want you to be encouraged by the word today. Don't run away when things get tough. Show people crucified, not petrified. There's going to be times when fear is going to make you want to run away. Pressures of the world, like they tried to get the guy to to do the circumcision, or the guys that pressured Peter. Why are you eating with Gentiles? You're going to have your own pressure. Don't let fear cause you to run away. Show people crucified, not petrified. Father, for anyone who hears me today that has not given you their life, I ask, Lord God, you draw them in. Friend, if you want to be saved, say, Lord God, I've sinned. I'm sorry. I blew it. I give you my life. Thank you for paying the death penalty for me that your law requires. I now by faith accept your your gift. Thank you for dying in my place so that I can be saved. Thank you for eternal life. What a gift. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, if you prayed that, the Bible says you're saved. And now you can know that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you.